Welcome to Creation, Myth, or Miracle. This is your host, ex-atheist Richard Walker. Welcome again to another show. The past couple of shows, actually the last three shows, we talked about some of the very specific issues pointing out the fact that Darwin's Tree of Life is no longer really usable given the data that we're learning from genetics. And we showed that many scientists have pointed out the inadequacy of that view of how evolution has actually worked historically and how it works in terms of any process, and that some of the fundamental biological concepts of evolution need to be revisited. And then on yesterday's show, we talked about the fact that the discussion is being squashed. Popular science has decided to completely disable comments on their articles. And at least some folks over at New Scientist think that's a good idea. So I wouldn't be surprised to see even more suppression of any discussion of the issues related to evolution. And one of the items that I've repeated enough that I'm sure you think I'm harping on it is the idea that what students are told is not the same as what the experts know. That students are told evolution is a fact, that there are no problems with it, that no one doubts it, and that all scientists believe it. And then when you talk to the scientists about how it works, they give you a completely different story. Well, I decided to sort of put that idea to the test this morning and did a quick Google search for the phrase, evolution is a fact. And within five seconds was looking at a syllabus and information from Indiana University about how they teach evolution. So what I'm going to do is share with you what is currently being presented to students at a major university, and then I'll share with you some information from an actual scientist who digs into the details. So pretend you're a student within a college class, and the person in authority, your professor, is describing to you what evolution is. And they say the following. Biological evolution is essentially the process whereby new species arise from earlier species by accumulated changes. This is often referred to as descent with modification. At the species level, the speciation process is sometimes called microevolution. Now let me interject here. Note that microevolution is at the species level. Let me continue with their document. By extension, as this process of speciation proceeds with time, Increasing numbers of species appear, becoming increasingly different. The pattern of this, over time, looks like a branching tree. All the species we see today are like the growing tips of that tree, except that each tip has become somewhat different from the others, unlike a real tree. Close clusters of tips are most similar and have most recently branched, evolved. More distant tips are more different and they can be traced to much lower, earlier branchings in the tree. What we call a genus would be a close cluster of tips. The family level of classification, which may include several genera, refers to a group of several closely branched clusters, and so on. Evolution at these higher levels is sometimes called macroevolution, but it should be obvious that this simply results from continuous microevolution repeated and accumulated over long periods of time. The recognition of this pattern of change of life forms over time was developed from many observations. It has even been directly observed in some species and inferred in many others from clear independent evidence 
mainly in comparative anatomy, embryology, paleontology, geology, biogeography, and molecular biology. Although there are some curious examples of evolution, there are no empirical observations of life, living or extinct, that evolution cannot explain, and there is no evidence against evolution. That emphasis is in their document, by the way. Uh, clearly, there's absolutely no question about evolution. It is totally fact. Let me continue, or rather, let them continue. The mechanism for how evolution happens has been largely explained by natural selection. In 1859, Charles Darwin published his best-known book, out of some 25 books he wrote, on the origin of species by means of natural selection. In it, he presented the results of some 20 years of work pulling together massive amounts of evidence, showing how natural selection must be the primary working mechanism for evolution. Natural selection is observed constantly, and its role as the driving force of evolution has been observed, tested, and challenged many times and in many ways, and has survived fully intact. There are also many independent lines of evidence that are consistent with natural selection as the main mechanism of evolution. There is no observed evidence against this as a working mechanism for evolution. Efforts by some to point out, quote, evidence against evolution, end quote, always turn out under critical examination to be totally without merit. The theory of evolution by natural selection, or more precisely, the theory of natural selection, therefore holds the high status of near certainty. It is a scientific theory. In short, evolution as a real phenomenon is scientifically solid. It is a scientifically demonstrated fact, and the scientific theory for how evolution happens is so well documented by the evidence that this explanation is as close to a scientific fact as any explanation can be. Remember, scientific facts refer to observed or demonstrated natural phenomenon, for example, evolution. Scientific theories are the best explanations for how these phenomena occur, for example, the theory of natural selection. So there you have it. There's certainly not much question about the validity of evolution. It is a scientific fact. In fact, the word scientific occurs over and over in this. You could hardly miss it. And I've been lying to you constantly on the show. There is absolutely no evidence against evolution, and everybody knows how it works. Now, if I heard that when I was a student, or you heard it while you were a student, and were critically questioning this source of information, you'd be pretty darn sure evolution's a fact, wouldn't you? Well, don't change that dial. Hold on for just a moment. We've just been looking at a document at Indiana University on evolution, what it is, for students there. And it's very clear natural selection and evolution are simply a fact and nobody questions it and there's no evidence against it. Well, wait a minute, you say. What about this document, A Scientific Dissent from Darwinism, which has the main statement, We are skeptical of the claims for the ability of random mutation and natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Careful examination of the evidence for Darwinian theory should be encouraged. Well, who in the world would sign a document like that? Well, how about 700-degreed scientists? The students at Indiana University are not being told the whole story. Let's take a look at what just one of these scientists who signed this document has to say. Over at UncommonDescent.com, there's a blog titled, 
a world-famous chemist tells the truth, there's no scientist alive today who understands macroevolution. Well, wait a minute. Indiana University just told me, their student, that macroevolution is nothing more than microevolution accumulating over time and that everybody knows that. What's going on here? Who is this ding-dong scientist that would say nobody understands it? Professor James M. Tour is one of the 10 most cited chemists in the world. He's famous for his work on nanocars, nanoelectronics, graphene nanostructures, carbon nanovectors in medicine, and green carbon research for enhanced oil recovery and environmentally friendly oil and gas extraction. He's currently a professor of chemistry, professor of computer science, and professor of mechanical engineering and materials science at Rice University. He has authored or co-authored 489 scientific publications, and his name is on 36 patents. Although he does not regard himself as an intelligent design theorist, he signed, along with 700 others, the scientific descent from Darwin, as I mentioned a moment ago. And on his website, there's a very revealing article on evolution and creation in which Tour bluntly states that he does not understand how macroevolution could have occurred from a chemical standpoint. He writes, Although most scientists leave few stones unturned in their quest to discern mechanisms before wholeheartedly accepting them, when it comes to the often gross extrapolations between observations and conclusions on macroevolution, scientists, it seems to me, permit unhealthy leeway. Professor Tour is referring to the extrapolations from microevolution, which we do observe, to macroevolution, which no one has ever observed, despite the statements at Indiana University. He continues, When hearing such extrapolations in the academy, when will we cry out, the emperor has no clothes? I simply do not understand chemically how macroevolution could have happened. Hence, am I not free to join the ranks of the skeptical and to sign such a document without reprisals from those who disagree with me? Of course, he's referring to the descent from Darwinism. Does anyone understand the chemical details behind macroevolution? If so, I would like to sit with that person and be taught, so I invite them to meet with me. Just last year, in a Veritas Forum presentation at Georgia Tech, Professor Tour was asked about evolution by a student in the audience, and here's part of what he said in answer. I will tell you as a scientist and a synthetic chemist, if anyone should be able to understand evolution, it's me, because I make molecules for a living, and I don't just buy a kit and mix this and mix this and get that. I mean, ab initio, I make molecules. I understand how hard it is to make molecules. I understand that if I take nature's toolkit... It could be much easier, because all the tools are already there. And I just mix it in the proportions, and I do it under these conditions, but ab initio is very hard. Now what he means by ab initio is the first time. He's pointing out that living cells have an enormous toolkit for making molecules, but doing it the first time is very, very hard. Professor Tour continued, I don't understand evolution, and I will confess that to you. Is that okay for me to say I don't understand this? Is that all right? I know that there's a lot of people out there that don't understand anything about organic synthesis, but they understand evolution. I understand a lot about making molecules, and I don't understand evolution. And you would just say that, wow, I must be really unusual. 
Let me tell you what goes on in the back rooms of science with National Academy winners, with Nobel Prize winners. I have sat with them, and when I get them alone, not in public, because it's a scary thing if you say what I just said, I say, do you understand all of this? Where all of this came from and how this happens? Every time that I have sat with people who are synthetic chemists who understand this, they go, "Uh uh-uh, nope. These people are just so far off on how to believe this stuff came together. I've sat with National Academy members with Nobel Prize winners. Sometimes I will say, do you understand this? And if they're afraid to say yes, they say nothing. They just stare at me because they can't sincerely do it. I once brought in the dean of the department many years ago, and he was a chemist. He was kind of concerned about some things. I said, let me ask you something. You're a chemist. Do you understand this? How do you get DNA without a cell membrane? And how do you get a cell membrane without a DNA? And how does all this come together from this piece of jelly? We have no idea. We have no idea. I said, isn't it interesting that you, the dean of science, and I, the chemistry professor, can talk about this quietly in your office, but we can't go out there and talk about this? If you understand evolution, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to try to change you, not at all. In fact, I wish I had the understanding that you have. But about seven or eight years ago, I posted on my website that I don't understand, and I said, I will buy lunch for anyone that will sit with me and explain to me evolution, and I won't argue with you until I understand something. I will just ask you to clarify. But you can't wave by and say, this enzyme does that. You've got to get down to the details of where molecules are built for me. Nobody has come forward. The Atheist Society contacted me. They said they will buy the lunch, and they challenged the Atheist Society. Go down to Houston and have lunch with this guy and talk to him. Nobody has come. Now remember, because I'm just going to ask, when I stop understanding what you're talking about, I will ask. So I sincerely want to know. I would like to believe it, but I just can't. We're paying attention to Dr. James Tour's statements about the fact that he says he does not understand evolution, despite all of his academic credentials and his specific training in synthetic molecule development, despite the fact he has precisely the type of expertise that should be needed to understand evolution, he says he does not understand how it can work and that he's been asking people, scientists, to explain it to him. Nobel winners, National Academy Award winners, his department chairman, Nobody will explain it to him. Now, recall at the beginning of this show, we looked at the statement for students, that would be undergraduate students, being told evolution is a fact, everybody understands it, microevolution occurring over a long period of time is what macroevolution is. Well, let's hear what Dr. Tour says about that. Continuing with his statements, Now, I understand microevolution. I really do. We do this all the time in the lab. I understand this. But when you have speciation changes, when you have organs changing, when you have to have concerted lines of evolution all happening in the same place and time, not just one line, concerted lines all at the same place, all in the same environment, this is very hard to fathom. What Professor Tour is referring to with all these separate concerted lines of evolution having to happen at the same place and time is the simple fact that to change one type of creature into another type of creature is not some small, single, little change. It's an enormous number of genetic changes causing 
new organs, new body plans, all types of changes within the creature, they have to all be there at the same time. Complex structures and organs can't be built one minuscule change at a time and have them be functional while they're being built. So you can't just do it slowly and gradually per Darwinian evolution and natural selection. That is part of what the intelligent design community keeps pointing out. There's evidence of intelligence and design in the way these organs and these structures are put together. And it defies a Darwinian explanation. This is what Professor Tour is referring to. He continues, I was in Israel not too long ago talking with a bioengineer and he was describing to me the ear and he was studying the different changes in the modulus of the ear and I said, how does this come about? And he says, oh Jim, you know, we all believe in evolution, but we have no idea how it happened. Now there's a good Jewish professor for you. I mean, that's what it is. So that's where I am. Have I answered your question? Professor Tour's entire talk at the Veritas Forum, titled Exploring True Life, is available online, and I'll post the YouTube link on my blog. It's well worth listening to. Chemist Richard Smalley won the 1996 Nobel Prize in Chemistry, and Professor Tour got Richard Smalley to look closely at the question of the origins of life. And after reading books written by non-Darwinian scientists, Dr. Smalley changed his belief about the origin of life. He said the following, Evolution has just been dealt its death blow. After reading Origins of Life, with my background in chemistry and physics, it is clear evolution could not have occurred. The new book, Who Was Adam?, is the silver bullet that puts the evolutionary model to death. So, here's a Nobel Prize-winning chemist professor who does not believe in evolution. So why is Indiana University telling its students nobody questions it? It's a fact. We've been considering Professor Tour's admission that he does not understand how evolution works and the fact that he can't get any scientists that he talks to to explain it to him that they don't understand it either. And this includes National Academy Prize winners and Nobel winners. Professor Tour also commented about the fact that Many people who do not understand anything about organic synthesis, but they say they understand evolution. So interestingly, they don't understand the very topic that's necessary to understand in order to deal with the low-level details of how evolution works, and yet they claim they understand evolution. But all of the chemists that he talks to, including Professor Tour himself, who do understand the details of how molecules are formed, they don't understand how evolution works. Given all of that, is it unreasonable for a layperson who's somewhat skeptical in their thinking of things, like myself and hopefully many of you, is it unreasonable for us to say, if these chemists don't understand it, why should I believe it? Why should we feel obligated to believe a theory that nobody with the appropriate understanding of science understands? The usual statement from the Darwinist crowd, which is really not an answer at all, is to say, even if we don't yet understand how it happened, we still have enough evidence to infer that it did happen. That is a completely inaccurate statement because the very evidence they're looking at is equally explained by a common designer. Macroevolution needs a natural mechanism that can perform the changes, add the information to the genome, 
and provide all of the necessary molecules, information, and structure needed to form complex new organs and body plans and tissue types, etc. There is no such natural mechanism. Essentially, the logic boils down to the idea, since I'm a materialist and I believe there is nothing other than matter and energy, it simply must have happened. That's not a scientific answer at all. Professor Tour also commented on how this topic is being dealt with in academia. He wrote, In the last few years, I've seen a saddening progression at several institutions. I've witnessed unfair treatment upon scientists that do not accept macroevolutionary arguments and for their having signed the above-reference statement regarding the examination of Darwinism. I never thought that science would have evolved like this. I deeply value the academy, teaching, professing, and research in the university are my privileges and joy. But my recent advice to my graduate students has been direct and revealing. If you disagree with Darwinian theory, keep it to yourselves if you value your careers. Professor Tour noted, When the power holders permit no contrary discussion, can a vibrant academy be maintained? Well, the obvious answer is no. See yesterday's discussion about the suppression of comments at Popular Science and perhaps coming at New Scientist. So Professor Tour says the power holders in academia permit no contrary discussion of the problems with the theory of evolution. It took me many years to really accept and believe how much suppression and censorship of science is going on within academia and that that is the reason why you don't see vibrant challenges to evolutionary theory out there. But I'm now fully aware of it and see it everywhere because I look for it. If you haven't seen the video expelled Ben Stein's investigation into academia suppressing dissent from Darwinism, get it and watch it. You'll get a very good idea of what's going on. So here's the fundamental question that any critical thinking skeptic has to deal with. Why is this discussion being suppressed within academia? Why does anyone who doubts Darwin get attacked as non-scientific and their voice gets squashed? It's simply because if you ask pointed, detailed questions about how evolution actually works, there are no answers to be given to you. The experts in the appropriate fields of science don't have any answers. Well, the reason they don't have any answers is it doesn't work, and it didn't occur. It can be a real challenge to prop up a false theory. And ultimately, if your theory is false, and you allow people to ask enough detailed questions, it will be exposed as false. So what do you do? You simply suppress the questions, obviously, and that's precisely what is going on. Oh, and by the way, make sure that you attack and ridicule anybody who would dare to question it. Now, I'm fully aware that you could go pull up a thousand websites and have people tell you that evolution is absolutely scientific fact, and they may even claim to know how it works. But if you can find an actual, detailed, naturalistic mechanism that explains the type of information changes needed for macroevolution to occur, please tell me, and tell Professor Tour also, he would like to know. When I look for this, I see nothing but bluff and bluster and attacks on anyone who would dare to question it. As you're thinking about things, notice the tone used by the adherents 
to macroevolution theory and revolution theory as a whole, notice how they treat those who question it. They don't try to politely provide answers with the necessary details. You don't see references to the published literature that explains how it works. That's simply because there is no explanation. Professor Tour is not making this up. Nobody knows how it works. And by the way, I doubt that the other 700 professors and scientists who signed the dissent from Darwinism are completely nuts as well. It's actually quite clear from the physical evidence that life is more than just molecules in motion. The type of information content within every living cell and the organization of every living body requires a designer that transcends currently operating physical laws. And scripture says, evidence for God is available in the creation. That is a true statement. See creationmythormiracle.com for more info.